who we're just hanging out today. Uh, I'm Johnny Brooks. I'm NC Nuts and I. I'm Julia Hewitt. All right. So what are we talking about today? Uh, I'm a little concerned what's been going on this week in news in general, but does anyone have anything Wait, else Wait, should you have just intro that? Like, and today our guest is... No, I think no. we're just all hanging out. Julia would be on here. Yeah, probably more than just this one time. Hopefully. Maybe. Just give me that eye. No. <laughs> Well, what do you guys think has been going on with the whole Trump impeachment? How do you think that's been affecting your lives? Uh, I hear it every day, man. Zero Zero effect, yeah. I mean, I remember when Bill Clinton, you know, got his dick sucked, and then he got impeached, and everyone was like, all right, yeah, presidents don't act like that. They're gone. And then I don't understand. Can can you blame (laughs) blame him? It was the government shutdown. Nothing else was happening. I mean, you're stuck in your office, right? No, but I mean, in comparison to what's happening now, like, how has it gotten this far? He, he wasn't getting a blowy on, like, taxpayer dollars, if that's the concern. Oh, uh, I mean, it, wasn't, it was his secretary, though. So it was definitely taxpayer dollars. <laughs> but it was a government shutdown. That makes it even worse. So, like, if his Texas secretary is getting working, not getting paid, and sucking, I like, I don't know. So, I remember she actually has a TED talk. I wish I could remember her name that was involved in that. Monica Lewinsky. Okay. And like. So who do we have to pay to suck Trump's dick in the Oval Office? Ah, yeah, there it is. There would, it is. Would he accept anyone but Ivanka Trump? I mean, he doesn't seem to have a problem with. Wait, him. no, Stormy Daniels. There it is. Except yeah, she had go. to pay him. <laughs> Yeah, for the, what's it, breaking that contract? Yeah. Yeah. It's goofy. It's goofy, but, uh, so nothing's gonna change there. I just kind of stopped listening. No, I really don't think he's going to get impeached. I really, really don't, because, I mean, we've put up with this bullshit for this long. It's a fucking miracle he even got elected in the first place. And, um, you know, people just don't care about anything anymore. There's this era of quote-unquote fake news, and Everybody just decides to believe in what they want to believe. I mean, fucking Jeffrey Epstein or whoever. Mm. Yeah, nobody gives a shit about that. He's literally outing politicians for being child molesters. Mm. And he, quote-unquote, commits suicide in his cell. Yeah, which is blatant that that's not the case. And this is another thing that, you know, same with, um, what, what about all the, that one report, that report all those offshore accounts and how that 1% of the world's population with all the wealth was tax dodging all our countries. And she got killed in a car bomb and nothing changed and everything went forward. And it's the same thing with this. Like, oh, there's this huge political racket with child molesters, which we had that whole Pizzagate thing, you remember? Oh, you're talking about the, uh, the Panama Papers, right? The pa- yeah, yeah. The Panama Papers for that, and then the Pizzagate scandal last year, that wasn't anything. But this is a real Pizzagate, quote-unquote, if right. you want to, and nothing's happening. Nope. 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 Hmm. People in power, aren't gonna, they're the ones that are changing it, and we live in an era of anxiety. I believe a lot, large in part because we're so aware of it, and we're so aware of these this blatant corruption in almost all of our systems in day-to-day lives. But there's little we can do, so we focus on like entertainment and distractions, just to get through it. Do you feel like your vote matters anymore? No, I I feel like uh, all right. So there's like you can think of it as like dumb people or people that disagree with you, 
who will also vote like against you so your votes like cancel each other out in that sense and if you're in a predominantly like red state or like a predominantly blue state if you're in that minority group like your vote essentially doesn't matter mm. outside of a local election because your all your electoral college votes are going towards a candidate you don't support because it's not like you have tiered voting mm. yeah it feels like a shame of the system, and so many people blatantly believe in it. But do they really? I feel like my generation, I'm 31, millennials, and then Gen Xers and others, I've heard the majority of them be like, oh, I don't even vote. I don't even bother to make the time. I mean, when I was up in Ketchikan, the majority of people that I talked to, they're like, oh, I've never voted my whole life. They're like, I've never believed in it. I think, um, yeah, I think, um, when Trump was inaugurated, when Trump, Trump won the election, that was a big wake-up call for our generation. I know a lot of people um, didn't vote because they were like, oh, it's going to be Hillary. It's going to be Hillary. It doesn't matter. It's going to be Hillary. There's no way that this madman can get elected. And when he got the presidency, um, you know, I mean, just in some of my colleagues' faces, just like how distraught they were. It's like, this can't be real. And how many of them regretted not voting? I think um, with the next election, there's going to be, especially in our generation, a huge surge of people uh, are going to hit the polls again. So in certain ways, it's a it's resulting in us being more involved in our politics, even though that we feel more ap- apathetic about it. It's still going to result in more involvement. Well, I think. Um, I think that people want to make a difference and this is the closest thing that they have to that that they you know the closest interactions they can make with their local governments oh this is a this is a great segue into something that um we were talking about and thinking about the other day when people are making political actions and being activists nowadays uh <clears throat> i have a problem with this in some ways where it's like this another example is like the people on the corner of the street they're yelling about um, the Bible and all this stuff and what you need to be doing. People protesting about global warming. Those are things bringing awareness. I understand that side of it. But I feel like so many people will do that little piece, but they'll never actually do the work for whatever project or cause they're trying to promote. We all like talking about it and this Instagramming and making videos, but they're not, instead of talking and protesting, they're not going out every weekend and doing like trash pickup or something like good work-wise. And there's a real disconnect, I think, from ideals of what us are as good citizens and the practicality function of it in our communities. I know for me, like, I don't do those kinds of things because, like, uh, let's say, like, a beach cleanup. Like, I don't think the onus is on, like, the individual so much as, like, the industries and corporations that, like, create the, uh, the problems to, like, change their regulations and, like, regulate themselves. To like no, like stop fucking up the environment versus like mm. oh man it's you guys' fault using straws and shit like mm. you're the one like selling drinks with straws yeah I mean but they're selling drinks with straws because we're buying drinks with straws the demand and the supply and the convenience we live off of our whole existence is faded around convenience and so the straw is just a convenient way blah 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 it's just, everything's yeah. marketed in that way and they can change it but well yeah I mean we don't it's just we don't think that far ahead nobody thinks that far ahead when the industrial revolution happened it was like this helps us now nobody was thinking oh we're going to change the entire world's climate 
you know, accelerate it at a, you know, in a way that geologic history has never reflected before. And it's just, but when we do recognize these problems, you know, it's, it's everyone's responsibility to make the change. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't pin it on one person or another. I mean, I'm not saying beach cleanups don't help. They definitely help. But, you know, we need to all make a conscious effort to say, hey, this is a problem. Let's find a solution now. And then in the future, actually think about how actions that we make now are going to affect us later. Yeah. I think we're just caught up so much in the we're all now realizing and talking about it. It's just so much more talk than there are actions. You know, if everyone's so focused on the awareness aspect of this cause and this problem, but there's there's hardly any or equal amount of action being taken to implement those things. And action to a lot of people will be like, oh, well, I carry around my bamboo straw with me now. So, like, that's it. And I understand little actions do help day by day, reusable bags, whatever. But, you know, making the difference going out there and being – if you're going to go to your community and protest, like, why don't you set up, like, educational times to talk about how to go about being a better recycler and how to be more aware and what to be more aware about rather than just saying, like, hey, you're doing bad. You need to think about it and figure out how to do better on your own. I don't think that's changing or helping anything. The problem is like that's too nuanced for people. Like that's it's much easier to just like protest and just like yeah. be like, oh, I spread awareness, I'm done. Yeah, or I mean, how I many people? A cause. How many people are going to quit their day jobs so that they can start making a you know a community outreach of here's why um, carbon emissions are bad. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another huge side of our culture too is that we unnecessarily work way too much. The 40-hour work week is just unnecessary at this point due to like modern work demands. But it's being controlled, I feel, in the sense of we just have to be there. We just have to be in those spaces so we don't have the time to build communities and for self-development. We just have to be part of the machine, and it's better for us to be more of a cog than the individual machine. Yeah, I've worked like, like terrible, like uh, entry level jobs where like a lot of it was just standing around, like hurry up and wait. Yeah, it's like nothing's happening right now. I was getting paid, but like it wasn't want. It was pointless. Yeah, you just fit in time. Yeah, yeah it's just so we don't get a chance really to build a sense of tribe and community or have the time to put into having a good network of individuals that are in, that in our lives. You know, you're so exhausted at the end of your day and there's so many weakened warrior mentalities that that's yet again a very short-lived mentality. It's, it's, not, it's not making good in-depth connections with each other. Our happiness and mental instability as a nation is nosediving because we don't have that sense of community. Because 40 hours isn't just 40 hours. It's also the, your time commuting to and from work. And half the time now, it's the stress about work. Your Sunday night, Sunday night is ruined for so many people because they're so stressed out about Monday morning, you know. And so it's all there's so much extra weight around it. And then they get, you know, they get sloppy because they just want a break, so they don't make time for their friends anymore. They don't make time for themselves and their hobbies anymore. They just go home and watch TV, get up, do it again, you know. That's why I see in my family and my parents. And they do it for a variety of reasons, whether it's to avoid talking to each other, whether it's to turn off their brains, whether it's whatever. But it's such a sedentary lifestyle of, well, nothing really I can do. It's just getting to the next day. 
So until you finally retire. Until you finally retire, I think. But there's so much more creative projects going on too. Like we were just meeting today because we wanted to make a, a creative series of videos. Yeah. You know, and we're not getting anything out of that directly, but we want to do this project because it's going to bring a lot of joy to us. It gives us some purpose and creative expression. That's how I keep my sanity, you know, is doing collaborative projects and doing self-artistic products to try to express all this frustration. I think the hard part is, like, finding that drive mm. and, like, maintaining it. Because it's, it's very easy to, like, get an idea, but then the follow-through part. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of people who have lots of ideas, but, like, not necessarily the energy, like you say, to execute them. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, they're already working 40 hours or more every week. And it's like they don't have the energy to to do extra work, essentially, even if the work is fulfilling and rewarding, mm-hmm. because they need they have other responsibilities like cleaning, cooking, errands that they have to use their free time to take up. Yeah. Let's say like you we're talking about like forty hours isn't like a traditional work week. Let's say you work two part time jobs to create like a full time job. Now you're working with like you're wrestling with two employers for availability and hours and like the flexibility of like well i need like this tuesday for like my other job so like neither job really values you that much and then like you're just like on call kind of yeah and neither one is giving you benefits and it's so many they're like oh the employment rate's lower than it's ever been i'm like but people have horrible jobs there's so much contract work and part-time work out there that like yeah they got jobs but they have like two part-time jobs and they're still having to pay this horrible healthcare system, so there, there's, it's worse than it's ever been. People are stuck. Oh, and then like they're they're getting their schedule like the night before or something. Oh yeah. 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 They're like, oh, I'm gonna go out on Sunday, and then they hit that at like six p.m. They're like, oh, I work in the morning. Well, guess I'm gonna go home now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. <sighs> We're all trying to find our own ways to make it now, like. That's why everything, when you go online, Instagram, all these influencers, all these other alternative means of trying to live without having to be in that 40-hour week. But that becomes a nightmare all on its own. Like becoming a, a Twitch streamer? Yeah, Twitch streamers, uh, podcasters. I mean, so many podcasts nowadays. I mean, and I guess that's the drive of, you know, trying to find a you know, something that makes you happy as far as a career goes. It's like the only way to survive the work week is to, you know, get something out of your work. You know, the the happiest I've been in the workplace was when I was, I was working close to full-time at an hourly job that didn't give me benefits. Um, but the work I did was just, I never dreaded going in. I still, you know, I was educating people. I was go, you know, I was, I was a tour guide, and um, I was making cocktails. I was making people happy. I just had so many different responsibilities, and and it was, you know, it and my coworkers were just phenomenal people who were all dedicated to the cause of making this small business work, and um, it was all that and more was just very rewarding. Then I got my first big girl job a career in the sciences which is what I you know which is what I was working towards with my undergrad um I get a big girl job with a big girl salary and and benefits and all that and I was miserable there was just nothing about that job that 
made me want to be there. And it got to the point where I couldn't survive there. You know, it was just, it was a nightmare going in every day. And ultimately it reflected in my work, but there were other people at, um, there were other people, um, at that company who, you know, were workaholics who would be there for days and days and days, but it's because they loved it. I mean, not love, nobody loves work, but it's because it, it gave them purpose. They, they wanted to be there because they wanted to, they wanted to make the company successful. And this was, they, you know, they'd worked there for decades. So I guess it just comes down to the job that's gonna, I don't know, that's gonna give you some semblance of raison d'etre. So what's raison d'etre? Um, it roughly translates into like your reason for being. Oh, okay. From what? French. French. Gotcha. So there's a, this meme I identified recently. It's a screen cap from at the truths. My dream job is not working. No work. I don't dream about labor. Yeah. And I saw that. that yeah, I identify with that. That's what I've been happy is when I've like had enough money to like take off of work for a little bit. But it's like a roller coaster ride. We do need a sense of purpose. I know, like right now, I've struggled with employment and trying to make a job for myself and freelancing, and still looking for other stuff. And I've had a, such a huge record of different employers and travel and blah 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 that it's. I don't. I don't. I want to enjoy the time off, unless I had all those achievements. And all those things to take a break from. You know what I'm saying? I, I agree and disagree with you because part of me believes that like I could have just been in the and been like completely fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, you want to be sedentary. You're like your body. It's it's very you know, like once you still have so much anxiety about going to a place, right? But then once you get there, you're like, oh, that's great. I'm gonna have a great time. You know, that's pretty much about like everything in your life. That's, that's all the things. You, you can just sit there and you can be happy and complacent and that's be satisfying. But it just depends, do you want more and how long can you be satisfied? Mm -hmm. Because the hyperbolic treadmill, uh, which is what we're living through in states, is that human nature is to seek a new height and only for that new height to become so mundane that in the next height will have to be sought. What is happening for like a period of time before you want more shit? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's just this ladder that you just, it's endless. You got to keep climbing up it. So the only times of like real reprieve, I think you're pointing out, is when you are in the middle of a ring. And in between the, you know, the rings and the ladder of the hyperbolic treadmill and this weird analogy. <laughs> this fourth dimensional this, exercise this, we do. Yeah. yeah. Hyperdimensional fitness. Cool. That's what we're selling here, baby. I mean, I, I that is relatable. I mean, like right now I'm unemployed and um now I have jobs on the horizon and I don't have to worry about finding a job anymore. And but you know, in the, in the past weeks, it's just been so, I mean, I do what I want when I want, as long as I'm not splurging cash wise, but you know, it's, I, you can only, 
yeah, you need to, you kind of, you need a sense of purpose. You want to work towards something. Um, whether it's like volunteer work or a job or whatever, because I can only, I can only do so much leisurely stuff before I, I don't know, I, I, I'm lacking that sense of purpose. I get really sad. Like if I don't, if I don't have like, the happiest, most engaging, purposeful time of my life was when I was an AmeriCorps member and having to constantly engage with that constantly feel this huge sense of purpose and helping others and developing things and systems and problem solving and i know everyone's different problem solving for me is incredibly enjoyable and gives me a great sense of purpose um and when i am in between uh projects and jobs and that's why a part of the reason why i always have these creative projects too is because i need to do things all the time like i need to be producing creating and expressing and work for me is just another part of that. It's another part of my ability to express and problem solve and seek uh, understanding and satisfaction in, in my day-to-day -day life. I think that's why a lot of people, um, they go into retirement and then they're not, uh, a lot of people will just go and uh, get another job doing something else, basically. Absolutely. Well, then the stakes are so low, like your job isn't like a, something you have to show up for in order to survive. It's like, oh, I want to do this now. Yeah, yeah. that's why volunteering is such a huge thing is for the elder, elderly community. Um, when I worked for the library, the, uh, the, the entire support for all the library systems across all of our counties, and I'm pretty sure most of the country, is all ran through volunteers that are over the age of 60 in the majority. And they're the ones that are sitting there processing all the books, putting on all the book fairs, running the bookstores. And then they do other stuff, too. They go into their food. They work at Habitat for Humanity. Our volunteer force is majorly, it feels like, elderly. Yeah. It is so tough to get people our age to make the time because they're dealing with all this other stuff. They can barely have time for a social life, let alone volunteer. But the ones that do it, they incorporate their social life into volunteering. You know, the people that they hang out with volunteer as well. They find causes to participate with each other. You build a tribe. That's a way I think a lot of us can kind of segue into it, is find a, a purpose to unify on and do work together with. But you got to convince people to volunteer. Yeah. Or do shit. Are millennials ruining volunteer work? <laughs> All right, I'll, it's I'll, be, I'll be the uh, devil's advocate. Like, why, why would I help someone else? I can help myself. Well, helping someone yeah. else is helping yourself. That's the, we always complain about like our society and our culture and this and that. Well, we need a better sense of culture. We need to be talking and interacting and out there more participating with one another. Yeah, don't you remember that episode of Friends no. where... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's the hard sell. Like, do labor for free. Yeah. Okay, well, like, hear me out. <laughs> no good deed is inherently selfless. What, did Ross come up with that? No, it was, it was actually Joey. <laughs> That's Joey argues movie, with yeah. Phoebe that, like, there's no, that you, you can't do something for somebody else without ultimately being a little selfish because if you do something good, it makes you feel good. You're happy because now that person is happy. Yeah. It's, so uh, ultimately, you fulfill your own happiness. Yeah. That's the truly the gift of giving. That's what they talk about. That's what the lesson we try to teach our kids, but it goes in one ear and right out the other, and we never think about it again. <laughs> you know? Well, because they hear that, they're like, 
but wait, I want the Xbox. Why yeah. did I give it to him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so they don't understand that, you know, okay, let's build on that scenario, right? You get a neighbor that's way poor, doesn't have any systems, and you decide for Christmas for whatever reason, you're going to give your good buddy that has nothing your electronics for Christmas. You're going to yeah. give him the Xbox, right? Yeah. So now that kid and that family, anytime you want to come over to their house for dinner, anytime you want to come over and play that Xbox, and that friend is going to be so thankful for you to know that that you give that to him, and, and it puts you, a piece of you in their home, and it builds that bridge to connect with them and their family, and then your tribe grows, you know? So you still get the Xbox. It's just now, also, you don't even get to, you don't even have to buy the games anymore. They buy the games, you just get to play them. And you get dinner out of it. You see what I'm saying? You get so much more out of giving because you connect. But in an alternate scenario where somebody has plenty of money and you don't care about this person, and uh, for some reason, for like somebody, I don't know, has a gun at your head and they're like, give this person your Xbox. <laughs> and so you give them the Xbox. You don't feel good about it. You don't care about that person. You know they can afford like 20 see, Xboxes. You've been coerced now. But you, you've changed the parameters of this hypothetical scenario. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely. <laughs> all right, well, maybe there's nobody has, has a gun at your head. But ultimately, the idea is that you wouldn't give that rando rich stranger an Xbox. That's not going to make you feel good. Rando rich that's why you stranger? Don't, yeah, the okay. person you're giving in this hypothetical situation. Okay, if them giving it to a poor person. No, you're, if you're the person uh, who has the Xbox. That is poor and giving it to no, a rich person. No, no, you're not poor in this scenario. Okay. okay. You have, you're, so. You are also a rich person. <laughs> yeah, I love this fantasy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way you said it earlier, you said rich person, where I think you meant to say poor person, so well, I was okay. confused. You don't have to be rich or poor. There's also like a medium here. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. There's, no, there's no more middle class. What are you talking where, about? What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. So same scenario, right? Same scenario mm -hmm. where you have an Xbox mm -hmm. and you have, you know, maybe the poor neighbor who needs an Xbox, he doesn't exist. But you that the idea here is you only wanted to give your Xbox to your poor neighbor because you like your neighbor and you want them to have an Xbox. Mm -hmm. And that's why it feels good to give it to them. And that's why you want to give it to them. Mm -hmm. But, and, you know, take the same you the neighbor doesn't exist. Poor neighbor doesn't exist. Yes. He's not your friend. He's not your yet. Yeah, I get it. But there's somebody else who you don't know. Um, he, they exist somewhere randomly in the world. Mm. And you have the opportunity to give them an Xbox. Mm. You're not going to fucking give that random stranger who has plenty of money for Xboxes your Xbox. If they have plenty of money and you know it, right? That's not. That's a completely different scenario. This is someone that has more means than someone else, and then chooses to share some of their means with that individual. Because you have a personal relationship that like compels you to want. Well, it could be personal. Um, and it no, also. But what could... I'm saying is, is that, you know, even though it's charitable to give your Xbox away, it only feels good, and you're only gonna want to give your Xbox if it benefits somebody who needs it. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, they have to have a need for it. And that's the scenario that we're discussing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm saying that, like, doing like, any... You can't just give it to anybody. Like, you can't just give it to a homeless person because, like, where are they going to plug it in? Well, like, what I'm saying is that, like, it's not that any good deed is going to... Any good deed at all, you know, being charitable, giving away an Xbox, isn't going to always, like, bring the satisfaction, which is why you don't do it. Yeah, but that... 
So the main point of all that is that you have a main connection to this charitable act, right? Mm -hmm. So whether it's your neighbor or we'll take um, every year, um, MGAR, they have a giving event mm -hmm. and you sign up on the list and you match up with a secret Santa and you swap gifts mm -hmm. and they have a $50 limit, but it's optional. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people that have way more means in this community, they will get a ridiculous gift package mm -hmm. for whoever they get. Yeah. And then the point was, is that you post it and you don't have to share who it was or who you are. You just post it like, Hey, someone on this charitable act, this is a way of us all be able to give to each other within our means. And if you have more, you can, you know, so there's a bunch of different scenarios where you can take up that opportunity. But yeah, you need to have a, someone that needs it a little bit more. Yeah. And you need to have to also have the means to be able to give that too. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. But yeah. if it, this were just like, I don't know. If like you're not going to give Bill Gates an Xbox. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No. You'd be like, what? I have the new one right here. <laughs> yeah, this is actually like an old ass Xbox. It's like the first one. Yeah, we were talking about the old Xbox, yeah. But the bigger point of the charitable act in general was that the original person that just, if you chose to be selfish and just were like, oh, I just want the Xbox and I'm not going to share it, well, then actually you're getting less. And you're getting, you know, because in the long run, even if you don't think about it and that's not your intention, in the long run, the potential is, is that now you have a, a better, closer friend and connected family and they're going to buy the games, you're going to save money, and you can still play it. You know, like, there's a lot of benefits in the scenario of giving, and that's what the lesson is of being more connected to your community. So the pro tip here for sociopaths is you should be altruistic in order to, like, get things from other people. I yeah. think that's called <laughs> uh, social engineering or manipulation of other people. Well, it's about, that's, now you're talking about intent. So if they, their intention was like, wow, I really wish my buddy had this just because I know he'd super enjoy it and I don't really need it. So I'm just going to give it to him. And then it ends up being, you know, like well, now we're better connected. <coughs> now I get more out of that very same gift and I get more out of the family. And that's just a circumstance of now you being a better, more altruistic person. And that's the point of altruism is that and the sense of giving to the community, now your your community has more of an opportunity to give to you as well. Yeah. Uh, this is coming from someone that has a lot of volunteer background experience compared to the majority of people my age that don't have any, if little at all. Yeah, your volunteer experience is also a little bit different than mine. Yeah. yeah. Because you can volunteer in so many things now. So what, where are you? Where are you volunteering? Well, mine was like as an unpaid intern for Habitat. So. Yeah. And it was just garbage. Okay. So what yeah. was what was frustrating about that experience? Oh, uh, it was basically just like do. It was the same as like as if you were to do a job. There was no educational aspect to it at all. Wow. Yeah, I thought yeah. you just picked it up because it was a resume builder. You got something out of it. Yeah, I, I got. I eventually like got hired on to do like contract work. Yeah. Which was just ended up being the exact same as while I was doing my internship. Yeah. So hence my contention that like it was not an internship. Yeah, it was just a yeah. job that they wanted to not pay yeah. for a while. And that's what internships are. Yeah. So yeah, and but the point is is that you were supposed to get some educational benefit from <laughs> right. it. Right. Like that was mm. that was like some happening. mentor. <laughs> nope. 
my volunteer work was at the National Zoo, uh, working for the Invertebrate House. So that was inherently selfish. I didn't give a shit about anybody else at the zoo except my coworkers and the things we took care of. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I didn't want to be a marine biologist. I just really liked hanging out with cuttlefish all day. <laughs> and still, they the. I mean, they cherished you, right? Oh yeah. Now, the work I did was like you know it it was. It was rewarding because I got to take care of all these animals that I love, mm-hmm. but. Um, it wasn't, you know, the only things I learned, I guess, were like, you know, how to take care of coral and how to feed an octopus. What um, about the friends, the connections, the people? Oh, yeah. No, there were, they, those were, it was, I loved everybody I worked with. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like you had a more sense of community, like a, you know, felt more rounded in your life and your connections when you had just even more people, whether it's volunteer or otherwise? Yeah, of course. Yeah. When I was at the Marine Science Station, I mostly did it just to uh, just to kayak. Nice. You know, just teaching. I was teaching kids how to kayak. I'm like, I learned how to make tomboy. That's what I got out of it. That's there was, there was like other shit you were supposed to do, but I was like, nah, not me. I'm not doing this shit. <laughs> yeah. But you had fun with what you did have, get to do, right? Yeah. 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 Did you like? I mean, I'm I'm sure instructing people to kayak and. I mean, you're on a kayak. That's yeah. pretty sounds fun. That's that. Was, I remember in Ketchikan, we were having a there's a nonprofit meeting between six different organizations, and the main focus was is how do we get thirty and forty year olds to volunteer. And uh, Austin, a friend of mine, said, "Well, we he suggested a a gear shack that all the nonprofits share in town, and that." You like every time you you volunteer for any of these that that they all share the gear shack that you get points and you can go check out things at the gear shack mm-hmm. that's like kayaks and surfboards and paddle boards and climbing gear and it's like adventure outdoor stuff but you can only check out the stuff based off like a credit system through volunteering. I thought this was an amazing idea and I was like, God, how do we do this? And we never figured out how to like set that system up and get the partnerships going and stuff. But do you think a relevant idea like that to get our ages more involved would, would work? Yeah, you gotta get something out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe like maybe like if you volunteer, we'll pay off your student loan debt. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Right? We'll eat into that student loan debt for every hour. We'll pay you like a certain percentage or something off it. That could be like a federal program. Yeah, start volunteering into your community and we'll hack away at that debt for you. Interesting because like the, that would end up paying out. Like, let's say like you didn't have that much student loan debt, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be getting paid as much as someone who had like 50K because you only had like 80K left. Yeah. 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 I mean, I really think the. The adventure shack is a is a low end solution, like low cost solution mm-hmm. for that kind of problem to yeah. get our generations more involved. Yeah, because you could just like have hammocks and shit. Yeah, because like not everyone has like space to like keep that stuff in their apartment or wherever. Exactly, and like when you want to go camping, you you have to buy all the gear to go and like check it out somewhere. It's very expensive too, and the few places you can actually check out that kind of stuff. And so many people lack friends that go do it because they don't want to invest and have all the space. So people just don't have that in their life. If you had 
places like this where you could just go and be like, oh, you store it. I check it out. Boom. And then incentivize it with, you know, community building. There's definitely ways. And I feel our generation is going to be the ones to start implementing these kind of ideas and be like, there's, there's got to be changes and there's got to be ways to incentivize and set ourselves up for success in those changes. Isn't this just Airbnb, but we're like camping gear, kind of? Hmm. Well, you pay for Airbnb. Camping gear would be that too. Yeah. You pay with a different currency. You're, you're, you're still paying. Yeah, with your time and your efforts. Yeah. But it's also forcing you to be more involved with your community and doing good works. Yeah. So, I, I mean... I definitely, I try to bring up to this because there's got to be a way to get us all more involved. I wish I had more of a community, you know. I wish I had a big tribe and could pull through a variety of people and uh, you know, have a have a buddy with a boat, you know, and a nice uh, roadster and, you know, these other things we can all kind of commune and pull together and have a good time. Yeah, I really, you know, I would really like to have, like... <laughs> more friends who have like a lot of shit like a lot of nice things you know (laughs) a lot of nice shit that i can use listen i'm talking about doing good works here but i need to also get some you know what's the point of networking if we're not all given and taken from each other right (laughs) where friendship is the currency for stuff yeah it's stuff and experiences, you know? We're all seeking stuff and experiences. And we need friends to, to, to have that, you know? We need other people's in our lives to experience it. Not all of them be good friends. A lot of them be just acquaintances. Oh, that could be uh, your pitch. Stuff and experiences. Yeah, that's it. So we're working towards, that's what we call this? Here's this your episode. friends, stuff and experiences. Yeah. Wow, that's like, I feel like individually stuff and experiences is all every podcast's ever talked about. <laughs> yeah. What else is there to talk about? I think stuff is pretty inclusive. Not having stuff and not having experiences. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yo, but not having it, an experience is, is an experience. Yeah. yeah, and not having stuff is a product you can sell. No, it's not. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Look, at, I, I always imagine like digital services, like those loot boxes and shit. I'm like, that's not. That's literally nothing. You're buying nothing. No, I'm talking about literally nothing. Okay, how about nothing. like trash pickup? You're paying to not have things, to not have trash. Okay, minimalism. This <laughs> is called being poor. <laughs> I know. This I've been I've been riding that minimalist life for so long. They're like, oh, you just travel around a lot. You lived out of your car for a little bit. You uh backpacks you got i'm a minimalist what can i say what can i what can i say you're like yeah i'm a nomad <laughs> yeah i'm a digital nomad because it sounds very like i'm homeless yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that just sounds like being homeless with more steps yeah no it is it's being homeless with more steps it's and it's more socially acceptable <laughs> well i think that i think that's a good talk just cut it here the entrepreneurial lifestyle yeah we're that's that's it. That's our that's our generation's culture. There are all these people who are like, wow, you know, millennials are ruining the housing market and the jewelry market and this and that. And they're like, I work in a grocery store. I, I like I we're, I live in an apartment. Like what? I can't I, buy like, shit. Like I can't buy things. Like why do you want me to buy? You know, it, it's hilarious and frustrating. <laughs> like there's nothing for me to buy. Yeah, and I really like 
what's the point in buying all the American Dream and checking off that list? I've seen so many people that I love and care go through and check off that list and be way more miserable for it. I, you know, I at this point I'd rather be exploring life and be happy and poor than being so overworked and so traumatized from lack of community and miserable, you know, and rich. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about finding that balance. Oh my god. Kill yourself. <laughs> There's no middle class, Julia. We already told you this. There's no more balance. There's just one or the other. It's called class warfare. All right. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> Alright, alright. Well our choices are obvious. You either have no money and you're happy. And you're happy. Why can't you have money and be happy? Is that is that not an option? I mean I mean that's what we're talking about, but yeah, I, I see that's what everyone's struggling for. And sometimes they have that balance, but it's fleeting. It's fleeting due to life circumstances and the economy and a variety of other things that are going on. But uh, I don't think there's a consistency in that matter by, by any means. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, sure. All right, let's go.